you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My God, we worship you. My God, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Well, there is a great, great God in this house this morning. I thank the Lord for his love and his wondrous mercy and grace. He is a mighty, 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 mighty God. I'd like you to turn with me this morning to the book of John, the 18th chapter. The book of John, the 18th chapter. I made mention of this in Texas, but a uh, friend of mine was undergoing a very um, complicated heart surgery. I don't guess there's any uncomplicated heart surgery, but he was undergoing it, and they lost him on the operating table. And he uh, saw them working on his body, and all but said goodbye, and he was gone, and literally went to glory. He did go to glory. And he saw a vast, seemingly endless multitude of people worshiping. He was being drawn into their presence on the far end. Amen. was a bright, glorious light. And said as he was approaching it and the ecstasy was beyond description, he felt himself being pulled back and which he did not like. And then he Next thing he saw was them again working on his body. This is a pastor in Arizona. And, and he came back into his body. But he said the one way he could describe that feeling, and he said he's obviously thought a lot about it. The thing that stood out in his mind so totally, completely, and captivatingly was... In that place was the absence of anything negative. Was the total absence of anything whatsoever negative. I want to go to that place. I want to be in that place. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So here on earth, we sludge through the slop. Hallelujah. We make our ways. Our head and hands can be in the Shekinah. But like the priests of old, our feet are still on terra firma. And uh, I'll be glad for the day and the moment when this corruption puts on incorruption and this mortality puts on immortality. Amen. So anyway, that's why we have preaching in church, to be there, to go there, and to take as many people as possible with us. Hallelujah. So today, we're on the journey. In the 18th chapter of the book of John, I want to read to you one verse of Scripture, 
verse number 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. I'd like to draw your attention to the very first phrase, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it. And let's pray that God would speak to our hearts today. God, I love you. I thank you, Lord, from the depths of my heart for your goodness and your mercy. We're asking that the anointing of the Lord would rest on us, oh God, this morning in a very mighty way, in a very glorious way, on every single man, woman, young person, gathered God in this tabernacle. Give us ears to hear. God, I plainly confess my desperate need of your hand and anointing. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you so much. You may be seated. I love you, Lord. The portion of the Lord that I, the word of the Lord that I read to you from was in the closing hours of the flesh earth ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He had known that this day was approaching. He had known that he must be about his father's business. We know of from the age of 12, and that he was very, very aware of his destiny, of his identity, amen, of his call, and the things that would be accomplished in him. He was familiar with the prophecies concerning him, no doubt, including the ones that included Gethsemane and Calvary, amen, and Pilate's judgment hall and all things of that nature. And yet for all that he knew previously when he gathered into the garden with his disciples and he went a little further as was and is his custom. He's always going a little further. That uh, in the book of Mark it says he was sore amazed and wondered. In spite of all that he knew, all that he firmly totally believed and had given himself to and committed himself to unreservedly and completely when that day and that hour was upon him he still was sore amazed and wondered so if this is true of God manifest in the flesh then no doubt it is going to be true of us at certain times in our lives we can be prepared as much as possible mentally, emotionally, scripturally, spiritually, and yet when the vice is closing in on us, uh, we can still have the ability to be a sore amazed and wonder. But it's in those times and those hours that we need to evermore keep our hands in the hand of the one that brought us thus far. Now, what Jesus knew and Jesus experienced, he tried to tell the disciples of the things that would be shortly accomplished in him. 
and he even tried to prepare them for the role they were about to play, pitiful as it would turn out to be. He knew that all of the sheep were going to be scattered because he, the shepherd, was going to be smote. He knew, amen, that before that night was over, he was going to be denied and that right vehemently. When he tried to tell the disciples things of that nature, they had a hard time believing him. <clears throat> Just like sometimes we have a hard time believing him. And he gave many discourses concerning this, but the one most recent to this reading, he was in a room that had been prepared for the Last Supper. When uh, they were gathered there into that room, we find in the 22nd chapter of the book of Luke, in the 24th verse, there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Now, you know, their timing was pitiful. That, that's never a good thing to do. But when you are at the last supper that you will ever spend with our Lord and Savior, and he is about to be taken and to be so beaten and so torn and so ripped that his visage is going to be marred more than any other, that uh, uh, that's not a good time. The, the spirit could not have been conducive to the folly of these men's heart to sit around talking about which one of them, bless your heart, was going to be the greatest one of these days soon. And uh, Jesus, he's sitting there boy he was a patient soul uh i know he could pop the whip amen and he could he could turn and rebuke and that quite quickly and thoroughly and say get thee behind me satan you are an offense unto me you savor not the things that be of god but you savor the things of men but for the most part how much patience the lord must have exhibited Amen. When here he knows what's facing him in just a few short hours, and then boys are sitting around, amen, discussing who was the great biggest honcho in the group. Everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. And so he began to talk to them about how the kings of the Gentiles operated and how they exercised authority and how they were called benefactors. I don't care if you unplug it. I'm not standing over there anyway. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. That was bad timing, speaker. Bad timing. Amen. And, uh, but I uh, began to talk to them about how the, that one that would be the greatest among them would be the servant of all and and uh, as he's going through this discourse, I can see them somewhat abashed. And, you know, they're, they're taken aback a little. And, yes, Lord. And, and Peter started it. No, you did. You and, and, and they're going. And, and so he's looking around them face to face and talking to them about the spirit they need to be manifesting and the outlooks they need to embrace. And, and uh, finally, his eyes rested on Simon. And we don't know the look that must have been between them. I have no doubt that before he spoke, he looked long and hard at him. 
maybe to the place that Simon kind of shifted in his seat a little bit and was uncomfortable. He grinned a little. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and when Jesus finally spoke, he didn't just say, Simon, but you can feel drifting up from the pages a heaviness of heart that now goes deeper than just their heaviness of the, their folly. He says, Simon, Simon. Whenever Jesus repeats himself like, verily, verily, truly, truly, you better sit up and take notice. If they'd learned anything, they'd possibly learn that, if not unconsciously. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. <clears throat> now, one moment before he'd been fussing with his buddies as to who's going to be the greatest among them. Now the master says to him, Simon, Simon, the devil wants you bad, boy, that he can sift you like fine wheat. Now, he probably, that probably took the smile off his face. And, uh, and he said, but I've prayed for thee. Not that you would not go into this. I have not prayed for you that the devil does not touch you. I have not prayed that you don't face your problems and trials and temptations. But I have prayed that your faith does not fail. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you something. Amen. He is far more interested in how we handle what comes to us than what comes to us. Because whatever comes your way has already been weighed out in a balance, brother. And there can be no more put upon us, amen, than we're able to bear. He's not interested in giving us a bed of ease. He's interested in our faith not failing, praise God. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And then the coup de grace, he said, and when you get converted, I want you to help your buddies here. Now. That was not easy for him to take. In fact, he didn't take it. Because I can see in my mind's eye his face becoming beet red. And the disciples, praise the Lord. Did you hear what he said? When he gets converted, my Lord, that guy... He's bragging he's got the keys to the kingdom. He don't even know what they were, but he's bragging about it. And now Jesus says that the day you get converted, help out your cohorts here. Now you can question and talk to an individual about a lot of things. But when you touch his politics and you touch his conversion, brother, expect a reaction. Amen. Touching one's conversion as to whether they are truly converted or not gets very sticky very quick you touch a nerve and Jesus touched his nerve and uh, he said unto him if I can paraphrase 
converted. Converted. Who do you think has been sleeping on the ground and in between the rocks with you for the last three and a half years? Who do you think left their fishnets, amen, and that, and that big fishing fleet and business? Of course, he didn't remember that when the Lord found him, he'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. But, but who do you think left all of that? And uh, I get to see my wife and that sporadically since the day I met you. And now you're telling me that I'm not even converted. I've got news for you, Lord. Amen. I am not only converted, I am ready to go with you both to prison. And I'm gonna t I can't speak for these other boys, but I'll die with you. Question my conversion. Now... I'm going to tell you something. We need to have the frame of mind. He can question us about anything. But we better be very careful what we question him about. Amen. Jesus said, I, I believe it and it is so. Have mercy if the Lord says you're not converted. You better get on your face and say, even now, Lord, do what needs to be done. But he was foolish. And... He was self-deceived. Amen. And time would prove who was right or wrong. And so as Simon has his say, the Lord didn't get in an argument with him. I don't think he even raised his voice. He said, well, I'll tell you, Peter. Before the cock crows today, you're going to deny three times you even know who I am. And uh, then Jesus moved on. He didn't have time to, he probably didn't even look at Simon anymore. He went back around and Simon stewed in his juices. He said, now boys, I sent you out with person script. Did you lack anything? And he said, no, not a thing. Well, I highly recommend that you take your purse, your script, and your sword. If you don't have a sword, sell your garment and buy one. The things that have been written concerning me have an end. I'm going to be reckoned among the transgressors. And uh, all of a sudden we hear clang, clang. And before him, there's two swords. And on the end of at least one of them, I feel very safe in saying, was... Simon Peter, because we know he had one in just a little while. So now he's sitting there, and he's not having a good day. He's been uh, fussing with the boys, who's going to be the greatest. They can't believe the obvious. And uh, now the Lord's rebuking them all. And then for whatever reason, amen, he picks on me and accuses me of not even being converted. And so he's sitting there and the Lord's continuing his discourse and, and talking and, and he's and sulking. But oh, I don't know what all he caught and didn't catch. But, but then he heard the Lord say, now if you don't have a sword, go, go sell your garment and buy one. And buddy, he's alive again because he has a sword. And I will please my master and I'm going to get the edge in on these boys. And so he, he draws his sword and clanking here. And I don't know who would the other one have the sword, probably Simon Zelotes. But anyway, he said... Here's two swords.
And Jesus said, it is enough. Now, he didn't say they are enough. You know, two swords among 12 men, uh, that's not enough. If you're in the sword business, I mean, if they're going to take up the sword and fight, that can't surely be enough. So I don't think he's, he's saying that two of those swords is enough. I don't think he's saying your valor in using it is enough. I think he's saying discussion closed. It's enough. He was not going to stop and explain what is hopefully to us the obvious. I'm not talking about the sword of flesh. I'm talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Later, in just a few hours, he would say, look, if you live by that, you're going to die by that. But if you live by this, you're going to die by this. Amen. I do not have time. It is enough. I'm not, I don't have inclination. I, I don't feel like dealing with you on the paltry. Amen. Somewhere, time's on my side. Time is going to prove, amen. Here was a man that, that, that thought he was the greatest disciples. He's, he's living in malice, brother. And uh, no doubt in their discussion, it borderlined getting a little bit hateful. Now the Lord's telling him he's not even converted. And he denies that and, and avows his, his uh, conversion and his status and his devotion and his love. Amen. And he's being foolish and he's being disobedient. And now the Lord is uh, uh, speaking of if you don't have a sword you know go sell your coat and get one make sure you have a sword and he is speaking metaphorically he is speaking spiritually he is speaking he's got to be talking about the sword of the spirit but these things were spiritually to be understood and this converted man didn't even know what the Lord was talking about so he said it is enough and he arose and walked out the door and they followed him. And he went down to the place where he was wont to go. And that was to the place of prayer. And so he took his disciples that came to the place. And he got Peter, James, and John. And he said, you, you come with me. And he said, I want you to watch with me here. I want you to pray with me now for an hour. And I can see Simon. Ho, ho, ho. Pray. You talk about pray. Pray. And as the Lord's making his way out. Further into the garden, I in my mind's eye, I can see Simon. Oh, God, God, oh, God. What are we praying about? I don't know. But, oh, God. Lord seems a little heavy, don't he? I don't know what his problem is. Lord, God. And as Jesus goes on further, he wants to make sure he knows this man knows how to pray. God. God, God. 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 Here's a rustling in the bushes. God. God. And while Jesus is walking into agony and sore amazement, his converted boys are drifting off to sleep. So uh, we know how he prayed. He was in an agony. When he was in an agony, he prayed yet more earnestly. He prayed till he sweat as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. 
And somewhere in the midst of this, he felt the need for some help. So he arose and he went back to the man that said he would go to prison. And the man that said, I'll die with you. And uh, when he approached, and the Lord looks at his mighty warrior. And, uh, and then, oh God, God, oh God, God, wake up you fools, God. And, uh, why are you sleeping boys? Why don't you rise and pray lest you fall into temptation? And Jesus begins to make his way back into the garden. And no doubt, oh God, yes, yes, God, God, oh God, 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 God. I'm going to seek the Lord for a dream, brother. <laughs> and so, now he does have a sword. He's got a sword. He does have a sword. And so Jesus returns. He wakes him up again. And uh, they uh, hear the sound of feet. Here come the soldiers. In the dim dark of the night, they hear a familiar voice saying, That's him. This is him. They see a man approach from the group. And he may have been one of those fussing around that he was the greatest also. But in the course of that dinner, a sop had been dipped. And the Lord told him, what you do, you go do quickly. And now, here was one of them. Well, I think that's Judas. It is Judas. And he came and he kissed his Lord on the cheek. And Jesus is talking strange statements here. Did you come to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And the Lord's speaking and people are falling to the ground and they're getting themselves up and they're dusting themselves off. And, and now they're approaching and it seems that a couple of men have taken him by the arms. And, and Simon Peter may have been slow, but he wasn't totally dumb. And he realized this is not good. And uh, his, his first inclination, his, his first reaction, his hand went to the side. Whereas apparently want to be was a sword. And he drew it from its sheath. And, and in, a, in a moment, in a flash, he took a swing. And I believe had it not been for the darkness of the hour, he'd have got right. He really wanted what was that man's head. But as it was... He could just come up with an ear. And the Lord stopped him. He said, put up thy sword into thy sheath. If you live by that, you're going to die by that. And he picked up the man's ear. 
And he put it on the side of the servant Malchus's head where it remained unharmed. And now Simon the converted, Simon the saved, Simon, amen, the, the, the stalwart, Simon the, the willing prison dweller, Simon the would-be martyr is confused, he is frustrated, he is frightened, he's very, very human. And he runs off into the dark of the night. And they take Jesus away. Somewhere as he is running, something stops him and, and he says, I cannot do like this and I, and I cannot be like this. I am a follower of the Lord. So he turned and he began to follow. But the scripture says he followed afar off. He followed afar off. Amen. Now before we go on, I want to talk to us a little bit about this sword. Now, for the times that we are reading about, swords were not uncommon. Amen. And in the word of the Lord, the Old Testament biblical narratives, amen, we know that they were used in that quite often even by the greatest of men of God. They were not living in a real peaceable area. And uh, Simon had his sword. There was no direct spiritual injunction against him having that sword. Amen. It was not until Jesus spoke after its use that he said, if you live by that, boy, you're going to die by that. There was no direct reference. And, um, you know, we don't know how often, how much Simon got to see his wife, but it could be easily conjectured that, you know, as they would sit around the campfire and he would listen to the Lord tell stories, amen, that uh, he'd bring out that sword and, and he'd shine it up. He'd get it, put a little oil on it, glistening. Maybe, maybe while the Lord was discussing things, he's shining that sword and getting a rock and working the edges. And, and the Lord's talking about the things of heaven and eternity. And he's expounding parables and, and <clears throat> he's discussing things of uh, meekness and kindness and love and Simon, that's good, Lord. Mm, I like that. And maybe he'd go home every now and then and slap that sword on the table and he'd be eating. And, and his wife said, have you been eating well? And said, well, not, not too bad. I've been having a lot of loaves and fishes lately, but uh, it's going pretty good. There ain't no cooking like you're cooking, honey. And, uh, and uh, you just wonder, you just wonder if maybe his wife said, Simon, I'm going to ask you something. Yeah, 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 what is it? Uh, that sword you got, yeah, what about it? Does the Lord mind you having that sword? Sword? No, I ain't never said nothing about it. Well, I was listening to him teach the other day, and he said, uh, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart. Yeah, yeah I heard that. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, does that fit? What fit? The sword. What do you mean? I mean, meek and lowly of heart. You know, he, uh, he, also, he also said that uh, 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 blessed are the meek, or they're going to inherit the earth. And, and I also heard him say, resist not evil. Whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, let him turn the other also. Oh, come on, honey. It's a man thing. You don't understand. It's just, there's something about a man and his knife. God's got to have a pocket knife. I got him. And uh, there's something about a man. You get a, a big knife in a man's hand or a gun. I like guns. I like to handle guns. I like, I like to shoot them. Praise God. Uh, I don't carry one, but I like to shoot them. Now, is there anything intrinsically wrong with that sword? Nope. And, uh, but it was obviously, it meant a lot to Simon. However common they were in the Bible and however common they were in those times, when 12 men produced two of them, they were not common among the disciples. Somewhere the teachings of Jesus, there were things not specifically mentioned but just divinely understood. Some things not spelled out, but they just didn't fit. And if you caught up the spirit of the thing and, and, the, and the atmosphere around the Lord and His presence, uh, you had to be rather obtuse not to pick up that it just doesn't fit. But, and you do understand that any time He wanted to, the Lord could have got rid of that sword. Anytime he wanted to. Amen. When he turned and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but you savor the things of man. And Simon was standing there paled and shaken. And when the Lord turned, he could have turned back and said, By the way, get rid of that sword. Yes, sir. But he didn't. He didn't do it. He just left him to think and to ponder. And that night around the campfire, somewhat abashed, Simon shined his sword. He didn't hardly look up at his buddies, his cohorts, because they knew, boy, did the dog get scalded today. I wonder had Simon never read concerning his master. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet opened he not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. And had he read it, and no doubt he had, he did not connect it to his master.
Amen. Somewhere, Jesus knew you are an apostle of the Lamb. You are the man that I've given the keys to the kingdom to. He understood the place and the role and the position that he would have. And that that sword was a trinket. And that sword would not fit on the day of Pentecost. When this man is breathing out of his mouth the words of salvation. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, I do not believe that on that day or any other day, Simon ever wore a sword again. It just didn't fit. And so Jesus knew there's coming a day. I'm going to get that sword. I'm going to get it. But when I get it, amen, I want him to do it. I want him to do it. What I really want more than the sword gone is Simon's desire for that sword. I don't want just an outward operation. I want something to happen that goes so deep and so far into his heart and soul and spirit that he will never look at it the same again. Hence, he walks into the room and he hears them fussing about who's going to be the greatest. Boys, you don't understand. This doesn't fit in my kingdom. That's not what we're here for. That's not what we're in it for. We're not trying to jockey for position. We're not trying to see who's the big eyes and the little use. But that's okay. The stuffings of all that's fixing to be knocked out of them. And boys, you're not going to operate the way the Gentiles do. The greatest among you is going to be the servant of all. And they heard it, but they didn't hear it. And uh, then finally, Simon, Simon, the devil wants you so bad. And I'm not pulling him back. And I'm not pulling him off. And I'm not diverting him. I'm praying you have enough in you to go through it. Because before it's over, I want you to be the rock that I've planned for you to be from the foundation of the world. And uh, so now he's continuing his talking and he said, now I'll bless you and I'll take care of you. Remember when I sent you out and you didn't have anything? And, yeah, you sure? No, oh, no, no, you supplied everything. Okay, well, you better go get your purse, better get your script, better get your gum. If you don't have a sword, go sell your cork. And here's the sword. That's enough. That's enough. And so now they're in the garden. And now this man that leaned on his own abilities and leaned on his own trust in himself and leaned on his own 
sense of devotion. This man, this converted man that, that couldn't quit fussing with his brethren, this converted man that didn't even understand the spiritual things of the nature of Jesus, this man that when he was told he ought to pray, just thought, well, whatever I do is good enough. Amen. And, and now in the midst of his, can I tell you, carnality is always going to bring confusion. Amen. And so in his confusion and in yes his best effort and and yes he was trying and, and yes there's there's a sense of the tragic but the devoted in him i mean he's not going to go down without a fight and you're not taking my lord and 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 he swung in the night and and the lord stops him and now he's being rebuked again and oh god what's happening to my world and and now he's running into the darkness but he can't run he's the apostle he, he can't leave the lord i'm going to follow but i'm not I'm not going to follow too close. And so he follows afar off. And it's a cold night. And it's a nasty night. He's chilled in his body, but he's chilled in his bones. And he's, he's chilled in his spirit. And he sees a fire. I will warm myself. And as he approached the fire, the topic of discussion was the thing that was in his mind and in his heart. And they are uh, discussing the Lord. <laughs> they have got him now. Simon listens. He really thought he was something, didn't he? Yeah, we'll see what he's like when Pilate gets done with him. They tell me that old Caiaphas has got a bee in his bonnet, brother, and he ain't stopping till this thing's shoved through. Yeah. And somewhere in this discussion, Simon chimed in. He was not a silent participant because his voice betrayed him. I don't know what he said or what he didn't say. But somebody said, boy, you know what? You look vaguely familiar. You're mistaken. No, sorry. They kept on talking. Eternity's only going to tell what that discussion was like. And somewhere someone said again, you know what, I'm going to tell you. You are a Galilean and you were with Jesus. And he said, no, I was not with him. And maybe he even put his hand to the hill. I was not with him. Do you understand that? If you say so, now this converted man that is warming himself by the fires of the blasphemers and the contemplators and the fires, amen, of the, those that never gathered. They were not disciples. If they'd been disciples, they'd known who he was. But he's warming himself by their fires and their conversation. And, and now finally, someone else affirms 
said, I'm telling you, you were with him. You were a Galilean. And all of a sudden, it pops, brother. He snaps. And I don't know the expletives that began to come out of his mouth, but they began to roll. Amen. And he began to vehemently deny with dirty, filthy, nasty curse words. I do not know him. Do you understand? I don't know. But nobody's listening. Nobody's paying any attention. All eyes are past him. He gets done with this cussing tirade no eyes are on him they're all looking above him and many turns to see what it is they're staring at his master what's left of Staring down into his eyes. The hair is ripped from his face now. He's got a crown, but it's of thorns. And it's been beat into his skull. And the blood is everywhere. He can see his garments drenched in blood and he's about to see as they shove him on down the way that his back looks like a plowed field and only eternity can reveal what that gaze held between their eyes a master savior that loved him that called him that was going to keep him and was going to use him. Looking down into the eyes of a cussing, blaspheming denier that he even knew who he was. Just a few moments ago, you told me you'd die for me. Just a few moments ago, you told me you'd go to the same prison I've gone to. Just a few moments ago, you denied that you were not converted. Just a few moments ago, you let me know how deep you were and how much you knew and how ready you were. And as Simon stares into his face, they both begin to hear the crowing of a rooster. And they shove Jesus down the way. And the crowd follows. Come on, let's go. They ain't done with him yet. And they're all gone. He's by himself. And he don't feel so clean anymore. And he don't feel so hot anymore. He don't feel so spiritual anymore. And now he begins to run. He's running now. And he's crying. Bitterly. 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 I denied him. I cussed him. I said I would die for him and I saved my skin. I said I'd go to prison and now I'm going the other way. 
And I can see him as he falls in the night. And he lands on something. And he reaches down. And he feels the hilt of the sword. And he draws it out. And he throws it into the night. Because now it is a thing detestable. Because now it is an emblem of all that was intrinsically wrong with him. Now what he had unconsciously trusted in, I don't believe you could have paid the man a million dollars to ever wear it again because God had performed an operation down into the depths of his soul brethren we desperately need the same God to perform the same operations down into the depths of our souls and the souls of the people we're pastoring and trying to get to that land. And there's no negatives. Hallelujah. We're trying to do our best. Amen. To get a people in a wicked world that completely lying in wickedness. It's a perverse and crooked generation. And we're getting people into our churches. Amen. That have a myriad and a multitude of problems and hangups and all of that stuff. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We worry sometimes, amen, does God have the ability to take it out of the hearts of people, the things that seem so important to them. I'm here to tell you, don't underestimate God. Don't underestimate the power of God. Don't underestimate the glory of God. Don't underestimate God's ability to do surgery and that right deep into the hearts and souls of people. They want to go to heaven. They want to be like Jesus. I'm telling you, if you got somebody that's hungry to see Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me well. There's no other foundation than that which laid which can be laid. He's it. Take heed how you build on that foundation. Make sure the building matches the foundation. Listen to me closely. You can't go around building your little personal idiosyncrasies on a foundation like that. It can be done, and I've seen people do it. But invariably, amen, those idiosyncratic buildings that people put up, they got the right foundation. It's Acts 2.38. It's Jesus is our God and Savior. But they put up, amen, their little idiosyncratic, amen, foundations. But brother, the fire's coming. And it's going to try what manner and sort of work it is. There's plenty of good things in this book. We've got to get into the hearts of our people. We've got to build on that foundation of people ready for his name. 
He's coming after a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. Hallelujah. One of the greatest bits of advice I ever got in my life was from Elder Lee Davis. He sat me down one day. I was 29 years old. He said, son, I'm going to tell you something. He said, don't go around jumping on bandwagons. He said, there's always going to be someone coming through town with a new bandwagon. And if you jump on them, it ain't going to be long. You're going to find yourself having to jump off of them. He said, find the basics of the word of God and stick with it and stick with it and stick with it and stick with it. God has the ability to work out, amen, the fine details, amen, in people's lives that they need to be worked out. Brother, we've got some basics we better be sticking with. We better be building on. And I'm here to tell you there's a God that's here to help our people get these things down deep, 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 deep into their hearts. The church I left about six, eight months ago was not a large church, but I will tell you it is a good church by his mercy. Over 200 people there, only seven were second generation Pentecost. Everybody else, we won to God. Never won. His mercies. They came out of the world. They were blood raw. But they were ready for Jesus. They were ready for Jesus. I've watched them. I've had them, Brother Tenney. I've had them tell me, hey, man, I, I had a, she's one of the finest women and her husband that are in the church, the kingdom today. They're fine people. When these people came to the Lord, I remember the first time she ever sat in one of our services. She looked around, and she came to me after. She said, if you think I'm ever going to act like this, you got another thing coming. She said, not only will I not act like this, I will never be back. Do you hear me? I said, well, God bless you, Stephanie. I hope you come back as fast as your feet will carry you. Amen. And I won't go through the long details. Amen. But I watched God change her. She said, I'll never put my hands up and act like that. The night she got the Holy Ghost, she did, brother, and much, much more. Amen. Now, if you're here and you're brand new, just don't worry about a bunch of this. You just listen. But this dear heart, in the 10 years before she came to God, she owned one dress. And it was to hear. And I remember after she'd been in church about six or eight months, all the things she told me she would never do. But I watched God do surgery on her heart. I watched God change her. Amen. She said, I will never let my hair grow like these other ladies. She's got some of the longest, most beautiful hair you've ever seen today in your life. God 
did surgery and put it down deep inside of her, brother. I remember her coming to me saying, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to get this straight now. She said, I want to get this straight. Are you telling me that I will never be on the platform and used in this church if I don't quit wearing my slacks? Are you telling me that? I said, uh, yeah, 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 that's what I'm telling I said, now, we can have a banquet, and if you want to come help decorate a banquet or something like that, you know, but, but no, no leadership, no platform. Now, I'm going to tell you why that's so important. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that Jacob went to his daddy-in-law, Laban, and he said, okay, we're going to make one last deal. Laban said, shoot. He said, you see all them cattle and all those sheep and all those goats? Laban said, yeah. He said, my reward will be the spotted and speckled ones. And Laban looked out there. All there was was white cattle and white sheep and white goats, except for a few dinkies. He thought, there's one born every minute, Bubba. Give me five. You have got a deal. So Laban went his way and Jacob went his. And he'd get all those cattle. Now, I don't understand this, but they'd come to the watering trough. But the he talked last night, this is where the flocks water. And he got poplar branches and he stripped them down and he made them streak it and stripe it. There they were. And these, these white sheep and goat and cattle, they'd come down there and they'd drink and they'd look up and see the streaked and spotted. And they'd eat. And they'd conceive in that area. Can I tell you something? This is where most of the births take place. Not all, but most of them. This is where they drink. Hallelujah. This is where we feed. And what's on the platform before us is what we're going to turn into. I can't help a whole lot what goes on out there sometimes. But brother, I can take care of this. 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 Amen. Because what's put before us is what they're going to become. She said, you mean to tell me I will never be up there? I said, I love you, sis. You don't know how much I love you. And I'm telling you, Jesus loves you far more than I do. You just need to keep opening up your heart and mind and spirit to this great God because I know a Jesus. She said, I don't think I'll ever do I said, let me ask you something, Stephanie. I said, did you ever play with Barbie dolls? She said, well, yeah. I said, a lot. She said, oh, did I ever? She said, man, I, she said, I'd take Barbie to the prom and, and I'd have Barbie and Ken get married. And I'd have Barbie and Ken... I had, all, I had the whole schmear. I said, really? I said, how long has it been since you've played with Barbie? She said, oh, I don't know, years. I said, you mean there was a time when she meant everything to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's been years since you've touched a Barbie doll? Well, yeah, yeah. I said, what's the difference? I said, you mean you outgrew it? You mean you're no longer hooked up to Barbie? Did anybody tell you, you can't play with Barbie no more? She said, I just, I just, 
screw it. I said, all this stuff you're worried about and hanging on to, you get hooked up with Jesus, you're going to outgrow it. You're going to outgrow it. You're going to outgrow it. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you, there needs to be a pastor preaching. There needs to be a man of God praying. Amen. There needs to be a Savior at work, and he will work. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The day will come, and I'm almost done. I will get rid of that sword. And when I get rid of it, it will be got rid of forever. They brought a woman to Jesus. Taken in adultery, the very act, and brought her to his feet. These righteous men and their desire for justice and judgment, I don't know how they missed the man. Seeing how it was the very act, how did they miss him? Could have been one of their buddies. And it could even have been a set-up job. At any rate, they brought her to him. Maybe she had wanted to meet the Lord. But oh, not on these terms. She knew there was a commandment against what she was doing. Shall not commit adultery. It was graven in stone. They always told me that the finger of God engraved it the first time. I always intrinsically knew it was wrong. And I wanted to meet him. I've heard about him. But I didn't want to meet him like this. She was not an impudent, hard-headed, strong-foreheaded harlot, an adulteress that wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no evil. This whole woman's countenance. And so Jesus looked at him and they said, Now, you got a problem. God gave a law and God created this soul. And we're fixing to find out where you stand, Jesus. Moses said, stoner, what do you say? And if he says, don't stoner, then case closed. This man don't believe Moses. He's a phony. He's a fraud. Everybody go home. He's a charlatan. So if he says, don't stoner, then he's out of business. If he says, stoner, then they say, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, they, you know, Jesus, we heard him do that, and so... We had nothing to do with it. They just, and the Romans would have killed him. So they had an ironclad case, they thought. And so they brought the woman, and, and Jesus was there. And so he was God manifest in the flesh. And the finger of God began to write one more time. And it was in the dust of the earth this time. And it's just my opinion. That's all it is that he was writing the Ten Commandments. And as they stood around, they said, what is he doing? Where did he go? Well, he's on his knees. What's he doing? He's, he's writing in the sand. Well, what on earth is he writing? He's writing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I shall love him. It's the Decalogue. It's the Ten Commandments. Ooh. Well, has he got to adultery yet? Well, he's still writing. And he's writing. <laughs> 
And maybe just before he got to that seventh commandment, he stood up. Before I go any further, he among you that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And he knelt back down. And the zealots were there. The rocks. Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit her right in the side of the face. And on the outskirts, the oldest man with the longest memory and the closest to eternity. Drop the stone. And he began to make his way home. And then the next to the oldest and the next to the next. Until finally there was only one young and left. And he, he dropped the rock. Made his way. And Jesus is riding And he looks up. He says, woman, where are your accusers? He was caught between a law he gave and a soul he created. What did it cost God to give the law. He got his finger dirty when he engraved it on stone. What did it cost God to put that law in her heart and in our souls and in our minds? For the one, he went to Sinai! For the other, he went to Calvary. What did it cost him, amen, to put it in stone? He got his finger dirty. What did it cost him to get it down in our hearts? They mauled him. His visage was marred more than any other. His back was like a plowed field. The crown of thorns was beaten to his brow. They ripped the hair from his cheeks. They hung him between heaven and earth. And they passed by wagging their heads. In order to move some things off stone down, down into the depths of our hearts. God. You gotta do it, 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 God. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I have none. He said, now, I don't accuse you either. But, no more. You go and sin, no more. Proverbs 16 and 6 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is 
purged. You hear me today? By mercy and truth. Brother, don't ever forsake mercy, but don't ever forsake the truth. The mercy of God and the truth of God has the power to purge iniquity. It'll get the swords away from Simon Peter. It'll get the adultery away from the women. It'll change hippies. It'll, it'll, it'll change embezzlers. It'll recreate new creatures out of liars. Brother, mercy and truth has the power to purge iniquity. And when he was on Calvary, mercy and truth met together. Righteousness and peace kissed each other. Let's all stand. And if you want to know where we are today, we're right in the middle of the smack. Oh, I want to please him. I'm going to pass this way one time. Brother Tenney, I apologize for my time. Tomorrow I'll make it up. John chapter 15, brother. I'm going to give you what has become the most glorious, powerful verse in my life at this juncture. I hope it never loses me. Here's where we need some revelation. Begin reading verse number nine. As the Father hath loved me. As, everybody say as. The Father hath loved me. Jesus said, as the Father hath loved me. Man, now, how can you understand how the Father loved him? Because in him dwelleth all fullness of the Godhead bodily. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus said, the things that I speak unto you, I do not in myself, but whatsoever the Father speak unto me, that I do. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You understand that God who is the Spirit, robed himself in human flesh, and the Father who is the Spirit, loved the flesh, who is the Son, who is God manifest in the flesh. How do you dissect that kind of love? How do you cut that kind of love? He said, So have I loved you. So have I loved you. How much does he love us? What kind of love is it? How deep does it go? How intrinsic is that? As the Father hath loved me, so love I thee. What kind of a fool would want to mess up that kind of love? I, don't, I know she's here somewhere. I won't embarrass her by having her come up. I so love my wife. 
don't want to hurt her. She's been good to me. She's been faithful to me. She's been kind when I wasn't kind. She's been sweet when I wasn't. She's been patient when I was short. I don't want to mess up this love that he's got for me. Take away the swords. Do whatever you got to do, God. I want my heart to be right. You got to understand, brothers, I was a hippie. I was a drug addict. When God found me, he scraped the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. He's been good to me. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up with sin. I don't want to mess it up with shame. I don't want to mess it up with my fleshly swords. I don't want to. I don't want to mess it up with Hollywood. I don't. He's too good. It's too pure. I don't have time for movies. I don't have time for the sinners of this world, brother. When sin becomes our entertainment, there's something wrong with us. As the Father hath loved me, that's how I love you. I don't want to mess it up. Read. You continue in my love. Continue. Don't stop. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. You're going to abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments. And abide in His love. And abide in His love. Let mercy and truth purge us, mold us, make us into His matchless image. Forgive me for taking so long. I'm sorry. Let's lift our hands and talk to them. I love you, my God. I love you, my God. I want to please you. I want to please you. I want to make you happy.